everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlanta on Air. As always, I'm Hunter. Today we are joined with Adam, Cam, and Kenny. And we are going to be talking about quarterbacks today. Um, so I guess the first question I'm going to kind of kick this thing off with is Matt Ryan's going to be our quarterback for the next two year and a half year, two years, regardless, just due to his contract and everything. Right. So it, at pick four, would you guys think taking Kyle Pitts or drafting like an offensive lineman, like, like Sewell or Slater would uh, be better for his long-term success with the team? Uh, Anybody can start. Let <laughs> uh, Kenny, you want to kick it off, or? Yeah, sure, no problem. So, at the number four pick, you know, we're toying around with the idea of drafting a quarterback or drafting Pitts or Sewell to help Matt Ryan out the most. And consensus seems to be that Kyle Pitts would help Matt out the most because we'd have Pitts, Julio, Ridley, Hurst, Gage would be unstoppable. Matt would be putting up numbers, but. I don't think that's the case, personally. I think that improving our offensive line would help Matt Ryan out more than adding another receiving weapon. And that's nothing against Pitts. He deserves all the praise he gets. He's an excellent prospect. But throughout Matt's career, he's had excellent weapons, and he's had times where he struggled. An excellent career overall, but he has had times when he struggled due to offensive line play. So we've seen firsthand how you can have all the weapons in the world, but if your offensive line is spotty, you're going to struggle. I don't care who you are. And real quick, I want to add in that a big reason that offensive line play would help Matt out would be not just to protect him, but to get a run game going. Last year, we averaged 3.7 yards per carry with our running backs back there. That's good for 31st in the league. Give Matt a run game. He's good with play action. Get the play action game going again, which will be a staple in Arthur Smith's offense. And get out there, protect him, and let's have a line that can hit some people and be physical up front and not just talk about it like we did under Dan Quinn's regime. Cam, you want, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with, with Kenny on this one. Um, you know, a lot of people would argue that, that uh, Pitts would be kind of the guy that would move the needle to, you know, to elongate uh matt ryan's you know career um i have i have some questions with that um i think the offensive line uh like kenny said uh not only is it going to improve the run game which is incredibly important for for a quarterback's you know ability to have success in the league but you know keeping him clean is going to be really important um I think the argument that that Pitts adds so much talent to the group, while that is true, I think the group that we have already is so is so talented that I'm not sure Pitts, while you know, while being a a super generational prospect, and I think that's incredibly fair to say, I don't think that what he adds to the group is going to move the needle to to like I said, elongate Matt Ryan's career. I think adding a guy like Sewell or Slater on the line. Um, I, I think it's going to do a lot more for him. And, and I think that's kind of just, uh, you know, I think that's just where you would speak from logic. Um, you know, the guy who's going to protect the quarterback is more often than not going to, you know, elongate the career of the quarterback more than a tight end prospect, especially if you've got, you know, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley already, uh, you know, as receiving options. 
Uh, and that's not to mention Gage, who's a really solid number three option, and then Hurst. Um, so, you know, I think they both help Matt Ryan to a certain extent. But I think, speaking from a logic standpoint, I think, the you know, bolstering that offensive line, that is really not so so solid. You know, we've got some holes at left guard. I know people are going to advocate for, you know, Matt Gano to be there. They just signed him to a second-round tender. Uh, I believe it was a second-round tender. Um, and so it sounds like they have somewhat high aspirations for him. Um, but I think there's still holes in the line. They've got questions at, at center as well. Um, and so usually when you've got so many question marks on the offensive line, there's something wrong. Um, so I think adding to that, to that position, uh, would certainly be beneficial for the team. Um, and, and especially for Matt Ryan, who's relying less on his mobility, um, you know, as the years progress. So adding, you know, a guy like, uh, who, uh, and adding a guy like Sewell or or uh, uh, Slater, who can really stonewall guys and kind of keep that pocket clean. I think that's going to, you know, allow Matt to rely less on his uh, mobility, which is, I'm sure, something that the that the uh, play callers are going to hope for. Adam, what do, you, what do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> see, we, we've had this conversation numerous times, and um, I'll always I'm going to defer to Kyle Pitts. Um, I think Kyle Pitts solves a, a, a decade-long issue that Matt Ryan's always had, and it's um, in the red zone. Um, he, he brings in a, an incredible um, catch radius, uh, just an, an uncanny ability to catch the ball at its highest point um, in the red zone, and just over multiple defenders. Like He's able to slither his way through and, and create mismatches. Um, I do. It's not that I don't think that offensive line is important. I just think that this class is so deep um, that I'm willing to take a generational guy um, in the first round and then combine that with a guy like a Wyatt Davis or a Creed Humphrey or whoever you think um, in round two because this class is pretty deep. Um, I get the Sewell... Um, love and I get the Slater love because I it's not that I don't like either or we actually did a mock where I traded back and took Slater because I like yeah like I could I could see why Slater fits and why he um really solidifies that line but in the exact same breath and I'm gonna pound the table for this um both of the Super Bowl teams last year had two combined first round picks on the starting offensive lines that's with um that's with injuries um and everything um I think you need to be resourceful in your offense line and realize that you could hit on these offense linemen, these star offense linemen later. Um, New Orleans did it with Eric McCoy. I think they grabbed them in either the second or the third. Um, and Green Bay did it, I think, tw- twice in the past three years where they got Jenkins. And I'm pretty sure Bakateri was about a fifth or sixth round pick, right? And he's one of the best uh, left tackles in all of football. Um, so, it's not that I don't think O-line is the way to go um, in the first pick. I just think if you're asking a guy like Sewell uh, to slide into guard, it's not as easy. And I don't think you're going to see the benefits year one that you would see with Kyle Pitts in year one. That's like that's what it comes down to. And that's my biggest gripe. That'll be their fourth uh, first round pick on the offensive line that Matt Ryan have. And I'm like, even when Dallas was rolling, I don't even think they did. They have four first round picks in their offensive line. I I honestly don't know. I know Uh, they had at least three. I don't know. They had three. I I know of exactly. That's what I mean. And it's, uh, it's just a lot 
in one position group. I like, and I get you need five starters, but I'm not, I'm not spending five first rounders when like this class is deep. So I'm not, um, I'm not worried about not filling the need in round two or three um, because I really feel like we can get our guy there. Uh, and there's no other, like, you're not going to get a Kyle Pitts in round two. Like that's just self-explanatory. So, so Hunter, but before you jump in, um, right. I wanted to, I wanted to bring up something to Adam. Um, and, and I know a lot of guys, um, especially kind of in our close knit group are saying, you know, if, if Pitts isn't at the level of, of say Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, um, how can you justify the pick? Um, and I know you brought up how you can find these type of guys in, in you know, second through sixth. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, to my memory, I think Kittle was like a fifth round guy uh, and, and Kelsey was, I think, a third. Um, and so I think especially with this tight end class, and I know we've got some mixed opinions on guys like Brevin Jordan. Um, and, I, and I've heard that that some teams that Hunter Long is the second tight end in the draft. Um, so Ooh, that is spicy and I love it. So, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to grab the tight end more so than an offensive lineman in this class specifically. Um, and I know that differs from year to year, but I know that, you know, the top, you know, the upper echelon tight end guys were not selected in the first round. Um, and so you got, you know, like Travis Kelsey, like I said, um, and then Kittle. And I think there's opportunity uh, to grab that type of guy. Um, you know, in the later rounds and Gronk was a second, I remember he was like the 42nd overall pick and, you know, they just won the Super Bowl with Gronk. And so I, I see what you're saying. And I, and I, I know that the term generational prospect is super important, but I think the opportunity to get both an offensive lineman in later rounds and a tight end in later rounds, I think the logic is sort of similar. Um, but you know, obviously Kyle Pitts is, in his own realm in, in this class as far as tight end. Um, but like I said, if you can get a guy like, you know, Brevin um, or, or Long or even a guy like Trey McKitty who has some, you know, connections to the Falcon staff and, and with Brian Griffin and the IMG Academy, I think there's obviously room to, you know, room to add. And, and with Arthur Smith's um, experience at the tight end position, I think it's just interesting. So I just wanted to jump in uh, and offer that as a you know, kind of, counter example um but you know regardless i hear what you're saying um but hunter i'll let you speak before before i interrupt again um but go ahead buddy adam before i start speaking do you have a rebuttal to what cam just said <laughs> yeah no and i and i and i respect that yeah like that can be that can be said for almost any position right but um just in my opinion um i don't like the my next my second favorite uh tight end prospect in this class is tommy tremble and uh, he's not even like this big receiving threat year one, probably. Um, and I just don't think this tight end class, like this is my opinion. I just don't think this tight end class is as good um, after Kyle Pitts. Like I'm probably not taking a tight end until round three. And I feel like offensive line, I feel like you can hit on that uh, rounds two, one, two, and three and get, get starters. Like I'm not saying Tommy Tremble couldn't start. I'm just saying he's not going to give you the level of pro, uh, productivity that Kyle Pitts is going to give you um, year one. Could he potentially and could a guy in the back end um, end up being better than Pitts? Yeah, I suppose so. I just like year one. I just like what Pitts is going to be able to do, especially in this offense where you're looking for all this yak. You're looking for guys that um, 
are going to get targets from the tight end. Like I really feel like Kyle Pitts would would uh, would fit that. That's but that's my opinion. And you're right, Cam. There, like you you can find tight ends, you can find O line in any in any round. It just so happens that Kyle Pitts, quote unquote, is I, like I don't even know if he's the generational guy because we just had Pitts or we just had um, Kelsey and and um, Kittle come out what the last ten years or whatever. So I mean, like those guys are pretty damn good, and they're on on pace to be two of the best tight ends to ever play. So to say Pitts is going to be in the same realm as them, that's that's pretty bold. But um, that's just my opinion. I think I I think Pitts is going to be really really good, and I feel like he fits this offense to a T. Nice. Okay. Um, so my opinion on the matter is there's obviously major appeal for both. Because Pitts gives Ryan a safety net and can help fix his red zone threats. Um, and Ryan's obviously more successful. Like his most successful years have come from when he has had elite tight end play. 2016 with Hooper. Um, 2012 with Tony Gonzalez. And 2017 again with Hooper. But I think I'm going to go with the offensive line on this one. Um, even though I am one of those guys that believes Caleb McGarry is pretty solid. I, I know there aren't many of us, but, you know, I, I'm one of them. But it's kind of like it kind of goes back to the thing that Terry Fontenot said in his first interview where he's going to stack talent. And it really comes down to if you look at that statement combined with the draft philosophies that New Orleans has implemented, where they are always adding to that offensive line and adding high uh, premium draft picks to that offensive line. Um, it just, it, it feels like offensive line is, makes more sense too, because that's how Drew Brees was able to extend his career to the point that it got to. That's, I mean, it keeps him upright, stops him from getting hit and lets you have a quarterback that just thrives off of his, off of his experience. So grabbing like Slater or Sewell to play the right tackle or left guard or right guard, however we want to do it to me just feels much more impactful for the next three years or so than picking Pitts, who's probably just going to be really impactful for the next year or two. My, my also rebuttal to the whole thing as well is that Julio's probably on his last legs, and you're going to get mass production from Pitts when Julio leaves. Like, I, I feel like Julio's targets are going to go to Pitts because if he's as good as advertising, we're projecting him to be that good. I feel like he's going to eat up Julio's targets when he goes. Like like I said, I've been saying, like, if, if we don't make the playoffs this year, I feel like there's going to be big change next offseason. Like, big, big change. Like, franchise-altering change. So, um, like, I, I that, that's where, to me, if you're projecting long-term, I think Kyle Pitts, he, he takes that unicorn role away from Julio. Right. So that's that's my other rebuttal to that. Something that that I'd add um, in, in terms of this conversation is I think. I think having a, a premier tight end only gets you so far, um, you know, you look at at, at the Raiders um, and I'm interested to see to hear what, what Kenny has to say about this. You look at the Raiders, they just went 500 um, and they had a top five tight end in, in, in Darren Waller. Um, and they just, they cut, uh, did they trade? They traded Rodney Hudson this offseason. Um, and I believe they, 
moved a couple other premier players on that offensive line. Um, and so I think it only gets you so far to have a premier tight end. Um, and, and I think the Darren Waller example is inc- incredibly important, uh, especially considering a lot of guys in the draft world compare pits to that of, of Waller's skill set. Um, and so, you know, Kenny, I'm, I'm interested to see um, if, you know, what you think regarding um, if the Falcons drafting pits would move the needle. Um, and if if their offensive line is steady enough to keep them away from a 500 or below record, um, even if they did have pits in, in a similar situation to to what the Raiders had. So um, talking about how tight ends only move the needle so far, there's about argument there. But then again, you look back to last season and the two teams in the Super Bowl were the Niners and Chiefs with Kittle and Kelsey, two of the best tight ends in the league. The Raiders are a good example with Darren Waller, but that's really, I'd say that's all they have. And that organization doesn't seem to be in a very good spot right now. I don't know if they would. Uh, Nobody knows <laughs> what they're doing, man. Like I I, The way they tore down that line, I just, is beyond me. But yeah, back yeah. to the point, um, I think Pitts, like Adam said, Julio's on his last legs. So Pitts is just as much a pick for the future as he is now because you're taking him at number four and those expectations those expectations, Waller, Kittle, Kelsey, he has got to be somebody like that in that tier to make him worth that pick, you know? So, I mean, yeah, you, you take you take Pitts, and he's got to move ahead of Hurst on the depth chart right away, first off. Like, Hurst is going to be the one losing snaps. But I'm still, I would still lean towards the line helping Matt out more, especially, like, there's an argument for both sides and I can see both sides and I can see Adam's side to it. Absolutely. But Matt under pressure has been declining at a, a significant rate. You know, I think keeping him clean and this, this is about helping Matt out. I think keeping him clean is the most important thing that we can do to extend his career. Similar to as noted, how Breeze's career was extended, but, um, Pitts is generational man. He really is. He's I just so that, good, um, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, and that's what makes this conversation so difficult because when's the is Pitts the best tight end prospect you've ever seen, guys? Is yes, he? because hundred yeah, percent, yeah. yes. I think he is to me as well, especially with the way the game is moving. But yeah, for the sole for the sole sake of Matt Ryan and what's best for him, I think that offensive line and keeping him clean is the way to go and like i think one thing that gets lost in the fold about that too like like arthur smith's gonna change the offense right like like, so the offensive line is going to be better just just from a scheme change a schematic change right off the hop um that that was a that's that's like just another little tidbit to add in there so like i and i don't even know if not this is like, and I'm saying that there's two holes on the offensive line in center and left guard. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just willing to bet Kyle Pitts is going to be this next freak. And then when it comes down to paying him, like you're paying him, you're going to get receiver production out of a tight end, right? So that, like, I think it, uh, Daniel Jeremiah says it equates to about eight less million dollars a year than than what receivers are going to get. So I mean, that's pretty that's pretty good too, right? Yeah. 
for sure. That's that. I mean, if you're getting that kind of bargain, that just adds another another plus to drafting him there. When <laughs> I mean talking about his extension, which is five years down the road for whoever it's for. Like um, I saw a tweet today. I forget exactly who said it. That if he were Kyle Pitts, he would want to be labeled as a big slot wide receiver, so he could make the money he deserves to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. About uh, Pitts being a receiver. Yeah, I mean, like if I was Pitts, I'd probably argue that yeah, I'm a receiver, right? Like right off the hop. But I don't know. That's like. Apple to oranges, right? So, beyond the lives of, of Pitts and the OL, Matt Ryan has, you know, Matt Ryan can't rely on everybody else to do the work for him. You know, he's still got to step up and perform. And so, there's a valid question whether or not, regardless of how much talent he has, you know, is he going to still be able to produce? And that, that's a really big question for him. Um, and so... I think it's going to be important, and I think it's an interesting discussion topic for us, whether or not, regardless of how strong his OL is and regardless of how uh, you know how many receivers he has, is he still going to be able to carry his own weight? And so I'm interested to see you know the thoughts that we have on that and, and direction we can take this uh, you know this episode and, and 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 whether or not Matt Ryan is going to play like Matt Ryan or play like Matt Ryan with two torn ACLs that he's never torn, but it looks like he has torn. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I was, yeah, I was about to lead us into that. Um, I kind of tweeted it out earlier about like it being a controversial subject because anything involving Matt Ryan is automatically super controversial within the Falcons fan base. Um, So I guess the real question is how do we see him, I guess, aging or perform. Do y'all think he's somebody we could run with over the next couple of years? And how do you think his play over the past year or two has actually been? Um, do, do you mind if I hit this off? I, I got some good, good. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're getting into this because I mean, we, we kind of tiptoed around it and it's kind of a huge topic, obviously with us potentially grabbing a QBF four. Um, but the last two years, um, I'd say two years ago, he, he looked okay. I think last year, um, just just watching just watching some film, um, like his velocity on those outs is just like just not there. Even when he has time to step in the pocket, um, it's just it's just lacking big time. Um, a lot of these deep balls that he's throwing, receivers are having to stop or like slow down when when they're already breaking. Uh, what they're they're breaking stride as they're as they're running down um, field to uh, to try to catch these like I don't want to call them punts because they're not they're not punts, but they're 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 missed time balls, and I'm not sure because he used to do it with Julio, and I just thought it used to be oh because Julio's a freak. And it's kind of hard to gauge how far he can run uh, underneath a deep ball. But um, he's kind of starting to do it with Ridley a little bit more. Um, I've seen him miss a couple of deep balls on that as well. Um, and even against the Saints, when Lat- he like clearly dusted Lattimore. And um, he kind of threw it right to Lattimore and then Ridley bailed him out, right? Um, so I think the lot- I feel like if he has a clean pocket and he has time to step in, he can deliver things that are like, within his um, view site, like, straight on, right? 
um, in intermediately between 11 and 25 yards. I think that's about where he's still really, really ineffective. Um, and that's that's Arthur Smith's offense is that to a T. He brings everything across the face um, on offense. So it, it's something like like I've said, Matt Ryan can run that offense pretty well because he did it with Kyle. Um, but I I think you're going to get more out of a younger, uh, more dual threat style quarterback um, because he'll be able to run it the way T- Tannehill did. And I know people keep alluding to, oh, he said he's going to tailor it to Matt Ryan. Well, of course, because he's not telling Matt Ryan to run an option play and try to get 50 yards out of it. <laughs> Matt Ryan's not going to run 50 yards and it's not going to work. So, of course, he has to tailor it. Does that mean that he wants to run the offense that way? Probably not, because he wouldn't have went out and, and handpicked Tannehill to be Marcus Mariota's backup, who Marcus Mariota was a dual threat guy. Tannehill was a dual threat guy. Um so you kind of see the style of quarterback that he likes to use, right? Um, so that's why people have been saying, oh, Justin Fields, oh, Trey Lance are perfect fits for what Arthur wants to do because in the end, he does want his quarterback to carry about five, six times a game and and get some yards. And, and an offense like that, that's what you want with Trey Lance because he wants to do that too. He likes to assert himself physically as well. Um well, Matt Ryan, in a, in a nutshell, he can still be good, I think, for two years. Um, Pat, um, the real Pat man on Twitter, he's shown us tons and tons and tons of evidence. And if you ever want to see it, um, just tweet at us about it, um, that the cliff for um, QBs are is 38. Whether Matt Ryan does good until he's 39, he'd be an outlier like Drew Brees would be. But in my opinion, his arm is along the lines of Eli Manning and not Drew Brees. Cause when Drew Brees was younger, he was like, he had a, he had a laser of an arm and, and we've seen how bad that fell off. I think he was about 42 or 43 when he, when he eventually succumbed to, to father time. Right. Um, so I think Matt Ryan will be around that 38 and 39 year. So unless you got a perfect team around him in the next two years, which I question because it's going to be hard to hit on that many draft picks. I think the way to go is just I think he's got two more years regardless. And I that's what that's my biggest thing. I think you're doing a, him a disservice, right? By um by keeping him here because I feel like you're going to have an incompetent team around him anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I I'd agree with that, especially you made a lot of good points there I'd like to echo. And you're right. Matt Ryan can run this offense very well right now. He's great with play action. He attacks the middle of the field well, those mid that mid range depth kind of area. And Arthur runs a lot of that and asks a lot of throws in that area. But <laughs> this team isn't ready. And Matt, as good as he's been, he can only run this offense for so many more years before he starts to become a liability to it. And by the time we're competitive and able to field a competitive team around him, that can make a deep playoff push, the timeline kind of lines up where his decline might be in full swing at that point. Yeah. So my biggest issue in question, I guess, with Matt kind of boils down to, so next season, Matt Ryan's going to struggle because he he always does with a new offense, right? Um, how much is that going to be on him? And how much is it going to be on the new offense, you know? And then at that point, so based on that argument, you know, we're going to be sitting here 2022 draft 
at that point having this same conversation of is Matt Ryan washed or can he keep going first year new offense, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All the same things people have been saying about Dirk Cutter, right? So say we decide to go one more year with Matt, right? At that point, we're punting on the QB position until 2023, hypothetically. Yeah. Because we're not sure if Matt Ryan's washed, which if he is, or if he does within the next two seasons, and we don't have a a plan in place to replace him, uh, we're fucked. Oh, pardon, yeah. my, pardon my French there, but like, yeah, yeah. we're we're going to be stuck in the same situation that the Bears and the football team are stuck in, where we're QB winning purgatory. Where we're winning seven nine games, worst place to but we but we're not anywhere near a quarterback. And if we try to trade up for a quarterback, then we're going to screw ourselves out of QB purgatory and put ourselves in roster hell. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like whether or not Matt Ryan's washed or not, I feel like we have to address QB's position either this year or for sure next season. Um, and then back to the Matt Ryan argument of him, my actual thoughts on him. I think we're going to get one good year out of him as a starter, whether that be next year or the year after. I think we're only getting like one good year out of him left. And then after that, we're going to see a guy that looks like what Philip Rivers did in Indy this year, which is just a shell of a guy that we'd seen for the past 13, 14 years. Do we really want to do that to Matt? Or do we want to like figure out a way to, give him one last shot that's not in Atlanta. And, and so, Hunter, I, I think you bring up uh, a bunch of good points, and, and especially in your, in your previous comment. Um, Matt Ryan, through history, has shown that that he typically struggles in a transition phase with a new offensive scheme. Uh, and we saw it briefly with Shani, briefly with Sarkeesian, although he did kind of get into a groove near the end. Um, and then especially with Cutter uh, the second time around. Um and I think it's really important to consider there's a difference between winning now and if you can even win now. So you can have a roster that, that you know, that, you know, that you can have a roster that, you know, looking at, at 22 guys on the field, sure, they can win now. But that one guy leading the helm, if he's not in, in, in shape to win now, you're not going to win, you know. And so being in that kind of, you know, QB purgatory spot like you guys alluded to, that's going to be. You know that's going to be a huge place for us, and if we do decide to 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 ride with Matt and go pits, and he does end up kind of regressing even more than I kind of anticipate him to regress, um, we're going to be in, in in some in some deep deep shit. Excuse my French, as uh, Hunter likes to uh, use that phrase, but we would be we would be in trouble. Um, and so I think. Do you punting on the quarterback position within the top five? I think is such a I think it's a foolish malpractice, especially you know I think outside of the realm of you know the Patrick Mahomeses and 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 those types of guys. I think every team in the NFL draft, if you're there, you should consider the quarterback position, um, and especially in in the Falcons position. You know, you've got him for I think max people would say is 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 two more seasons. I think that's really where fans can kind of come to a medium it is two more seasons as a starter and he's out. So if you got one of those seasons where he's kind of struggling in a transition phase, you've now punted on a quarterback when you have one in the top five to draft a tight end, 
that in real in all reality he's going to play with a new quarterback within the next couple of years uh, of of the Falcons roster and so you know it kind of brings up the question would you rather get your quarterback and add the talent later or add the talent for your next quarterback that you're going to pray is going to be available to you so I think that's going to be a really big question I think you know anyone with you know a, a simple sense of logic is going to say I'm going to guarantee I have the, the you know the the uh the, the quarterback spot down and, and I think we had uh I think the over under was like seven wins for us um and so we're not you know nobody really thinks we're in position to win um and so I don't see us especially with the moves this offseason as a team that's like um you know add all the add all the talent possible uh restructure some guys trade some guys make some room let's get the Carl Lawsons let's get the John Johnsons of the world Let's get mad another try. I don't see it as that. Uh, and especially the one-year deals kind of, you know, they kind of speak to that theory um, and that they're not really trying to throw all assets in the plate right now to to, to compete because we're not, we're real. Okay. The reality is that we're not going to compete. Okay. We're not, I think we're not going to beat the Buccaneers and I hate to say it, but their roster kind of has a substantial, uh, you know, they're kind of substantially better than we are. We almost their, their roster is really good. Yeah, they're incredible. So, and we almost beat the Chiefs. Almost no, we did not beat the Chiefs. Um, and so, we're 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 not really in a position to beat those top tier teams. Adding as much talent, you know, my the thing that I've been preaching is you can have so much talent, but it only goes so far if if your quarterback can't get the ball to him on a consistent basis. And so, punting on the quarterback position, you know, as a as a G, if I was a hypothetical GM, I would consider the, the the quarterback position every year, and that's something that Dimitrov did. You know, he considered Jalen Hurts, um, even when Matt Ryan was kind of pre-regression, uh, or at least according to the media. And so, I think in terms of Matt Ryan, we would have to bet on him uh, being incredibly solid for the next couple of years. And I think in the NFL, taking bets on the quarterback position is is always going to be a malpractice. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like we have to address it this year in some capacity, whether that be QB of four or QB day two. Because if at the end of next season, we aren't comfortable with who that is, that still gives us one more year to draft a successor to sit behind Ryan. Because if we hypothetically missed on the guy this year, or the coaching staff feels that we missed on the guy this year, we at least have a year to potentially fix that mistake. Be praying that we're in the sweet spot for a quarterback. That's 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 a dumb bet. I think it's, you know, the value kind of speaks. And I believe uh, Pat sent us something that said like picks one through six is kind of the sweet spot. And so betting on on your, yourself being in the position to to get a quarterback is, you know, tanking can can really only get you so far. You know, the Jets were tanking for for Tua and they lost a game and they. They sit themselves back one spot, one spot in the draft. And so you'd be hoping that that if you do pass on the, you know, I just can't, I can't put myself in the war room and, and hearing Fontenot be like, let's get pits, we'll get a quarterback next year. I think that's foolish. And I don't think that conversation really exists. I don't think teams think that way. I think, you know, you can say we'll get a, we'll get a tight end, you know, in the mid rounds this year, especially because Arthur Smith has more of an experience with the tight end position. Um, he was a tight ends coach in, in, in Tennessee, I believe. And so I just I can't I can't envision a team with logic saying we'll punt in the quarterback position next year 
and we'll get a quarterback next year. Like, who's to say you'll get a quarterback next year? Odds say we'll be bad, but, you know, things happen, things switch, and I, I just, yeah, I just, I think it's a foolish bet to, to say that we'll get a quarterback next year. But I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was just some, some you know, important, I, I, I thought I'd interject. That's, no, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Cam. Like, we are, we're lucky to be picking number four right now. I mean, you can look at it that way, as many close games as we lost, as many leads that we've blown we something good came out of it and that's the number four pick in one of the most talent rich quarterback classes that i've seen in like in years like we're and this is a new regime right they can go ahead and they can talk about how much they want to win and what they think they're going to do what they plan they're going to do but 2023 is the year when a new regime comes in i think they need a year or two to get everything in place get their roster set up and then build from there, like lay down your foundation and then build up. You don't have to worry about draft position or anything. If you take a quarterback at four this year, and it's a rare opportunity where they can develop behind a quarterback that is playing at a decently high level still in Matt. It's just, it's hard to build a team around a quarterback where the arrow is pointing down on him. Yeah. And I think that's the argument. Um, I think we kind of got lost in the fold there, but Ryan and his and his uh, <laughs> and if he if he's going to regress or whatnot. But um, I think that gets lost in the fold where a lot of people are like, "We want a QB at four. Um, oh, they're, oh, so you think Matt Ryan's trash? Oh, we got to draft. That's not the case. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Matt Ryan is still a good quarterback. I mean, he had a decent year last year d- despite you know, everything that we went through as a, as an organization. Um, Matt Ryan is still a top half starter in the league. Without a yeah. Team. And that's, and that's the case. My, my point, And I made this point on Twitter a couple of times. You're doing Matt a disservice by keeping him, him here. If you're, if your outlook is, is a rebuild. Um, if your outlook's the rebuild, you got to send Matt to somewhere where he has a chance to win. Um, just because it's not that he's going to take lumps behind an offense line, but he's going to tarnish his legacy in the end in two years when we are a potentially two or three years, we're potentially a championship roster and Matt's playing like Drew Brees and he's holding us back. And it's kind of clear that he's holding us back the way Drew, like New Orleans has a Super Bowl roster the last two years but until they had to make all these cap moves this last year. They were a Super Bowl roster, whether you like them or not, and whether you're going to give them their due diligence or not. They were a Super Bowl roster, and Drew Brees held that team back. They couldn't go vertical. Everybody in the playoffs sat on those short routes, and they couldn't do anything. Um, they There was no threat of a deep ball, and that's what's going to end up coming from Matt Ryan. And And I think, why would you not try to put him in the best situation to – fulfill his career and potentially get a Super Bowl with, I don't know, you send him to New England or you send him to Indianapolis if Carson Wentz doesn't work out or you send him to wherever, Washington, um, and you send him there and and he has a shot. He has a legitimate shot because those are good rosters. Um, I think if you're keep like, it's kind of clear what we're doing. We got a bunch of guys on one years. Next year, all those guys are gone. It's not like we're getting an influx of cap next year. Um, I think it's only going up about twenty million next year. I think that's what they're predict- predicting. Twenty mil is a lot for us right now. 
No, and I get that, but um, we still have a ton of money. Like Matt Ryan's contract goes up, so regardless, he's either getting dummy years next year or he's getting traded, and they're just eating the cap next year. So that's my my biggest point is this is not a Matt Ryan criticism. This is um, this is planning for the future of the Atlanta Falcons, which we should be and which Terry should be doing. Terry Fontenot, which by all indications looks like what he's doing because he's now he sent six guys because he'll be at Trey Lance's pro day. Well, he won't, but three other scouts will be there uh, tomorrow at Trey Lance's pro day. Um, and it looks like he's looking for the future and it's looking for Matt's future. And I feel like that's a fair assessment to say that we're looking out for Matt and, and we're also looking out for the Falcons. And at the end of the day, we're the Atlanta Falcons, not the Atlanta Matt Ryans. <laughs> Whew. Well put. A- anybody else want to add, add anything about Matt Ryan and his future in Atlanta or I guess elsewhere? I think we should punt from the topic before we get perfect. Publicly Let's just perfect. <laughs> Let's um, just note that um, better quarterbacks who have been more important to their team than Matt Ryan have been kicked to the curb by organizations before. There are no sacred cows in this business. And it's the harsh reality of football. If, yep. if Peyton Manning can be cut, Anybody can be cut. Tom Joe Brady Monta- can leave the Patriots. Joe, Joe Montana. Montana. Like, <laughs> yeah, Joe Montana. Like, that's what I mean. Three of the best quarterbacks to ever grace. Al- although they were, they were kind of waiting for Brett Favre to leave, so that's a little bit different. Um, true, true. But before we get excommunicated from Falcons uh, fan base, let's, oh, uh, let's move on to if we do end up picking a quarterback at four, the choices are pretty much between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Um, so let's talk about them for a minute and maybe Mac Jones, if anybody wants to talk about Mac Jones. No, no, <laughs> nobody's talking about Mac Jones. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just, I guess out of those three, who would be the best fit for the Falcons at four? Uh, Kenny, you want to get us started? Yeah, sure. Um, so both of these quarterbacks, they check all the boxes as far as like, athletic traits and some intangibles and stuff like that go. But I think that Trey Lance is the obvious fit for the Falcons at four. If we go, if we go quarterback and it's because the things that he did in North Dakota state, a lot of them mirror what Arthur's going to ask out of him. Should he be drafted? Um, so North Dakota state, similar to Arthur Smith's offense, they run a lot of 12 personnel. They run a lot of motion and they're real heavy on the play action. And those are all things that Arthur Smith is going to ask out of his quarterbacks to do. Not only that, but Trey Lance's, his athleticism is super impressive. The way that he asked Ryan Tannehill to run some, some option stuff, some zone, some read stuff and everything. Trey Lance can emulate that perfectly, probably better because he's more athletic than Ryan Tannehill coming out. And Tannehill is an underrated athlete. That's not a dig at him. But Trey Lance, he can run past people. He can run through people. I think that um, even if we take Trey Lance, and this is uh, this is going to bother a lot of people, if we take Trey Lance and Matt, he sits behind Matt for a year, we could do some um, dare I say Taysom Hill esque things with him in, as far as red zone packages and stuff like that go. But forget about all that. Yeah, Trey Lance fits exactly what Arthur's looking for. He's more mature than given credit for. Like I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, that he was in charge of a lot of the protections and things like that in North Dakota State as a 19-year-old redshirt mm-hmm. freshman. So yeah, I really. think I would argue that um 
not only is he the best fit for the Falcons, but he, he might be even more pro-ready than Fields. And I think I think there's a an argument there. I know a lot of people are split on that, but um but yeah, I think Trey Lance fits this team to a T and he is afforded the luxury of sitting behind Matt for a year. And a player like Trey coming from North Dakota State, you know, he's not playing against the best athletes in the world like some of these other guys are in the SEC, Big Ten, et cetera. He's afforded the luxury to sit behind Matt and learn. And I just think the stars are aligned for Trey Lance to be an Atlanta Falcon. Well, you know, this is an Ohio State podcast, so I don't know why we're slandering. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, you made a lot of good points, and I, and I definitely agree. Um, another thing, just a little tidbit about Trey Lance, he was also um, responsible for player option routes from the receiver. So um, what that means is uh, Trey Lance will will figure out what the coverage is pre-snap, do some kind of symbol to the receiver and say, hey, man, I want you to uh, run a corner instead of a post because they're sitting in this coverage. And, you know, that's that's the route that he runs. So um, he and he also I like one thing I actually just say is so funny because as the process goes on, you see all these things that the players did or didn't do. And apparently as a 19 year old uh, freshman, he organized um, uh, doing routes like um, in this in the in the summer when they weren't in, in, in season or when they weren't doing spring games or nothing like that. Um, he, he organized a, a camp where they all got together so he could work on repetition with them. Um, so that's pretty like that's a 19 year old doing that. Um, I think pre snap he was the most um, most NFL ready pre snap. Uh, like you said, he was doing he was doing um, line calls, uh, calling out coverages and all that. Um, but I I think Justin Fields fits the offense as well because he was the most accurate passer on e- intermediate throws and this offense is uh tailored to intermediate throws as well as taking deep shots which justin fields has all the arm for um he's just as good as a runner as trey lance as well this is this is my biggest gripe this is why when people say you're taking the fourth best quarterback that's not the case zach wilson to me if we were picking two i don't think zach wilson would have been in the conversation with us i think if we were picking two it would it would still be between Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and somehow we're lucky enough to potentially have that conversation at four. Um, because if San Fran really fucks it up, and I'm gonna say that because if they mess it up that bad and take Mac Jones at three, um, you're sitting with two really good fits for this kind of style offense. Um, and yeah, like I, I feel like either or. Um, if I had to pick, um, I would go Justin Fields and partially because of bias, partially because I think he's a really good fit and he can run it uh, to a T. And people called uh, they called Justin Fields a monster truck uh, Tannehill. So, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of fitting, right? I, I'm going to interrupt real fast. I hate the because we're picking four, we're getting the fourth best quarterback statement. Because people just sit here and, like, look at the draft heads, which, honestly, I was talking to somebody about this earlier. Some of the draft media guys, draft media in quotes, are really not that good. Outside of Daniel Jeremiah and Dan Brugler, or Dane Brugler, I mean, none of them are really that good. 
And yeah. if you turn on the tape yourself of Wilson, Fields, and Lance all together, I feel like the consensus of people like who, who know what to look for in the quarterback position will say Wilson's probably four. Um, I, I agree with that. I hundred like that's when I I said a month ago that Wilson was my four, and someone said how when the media has him at two. I'm like, I'm like, because I I watch and I and I looked. I did more than than just go with the consensus, right? And I I feel like that's what people get lost behind. Like that's not the case. Fourth best quarterback. He might have been Atlanta's number two best quarterback, um, and they might not even like try. Um, Trevor Lawrence like you don't know teams have their boards stacked so differently um so you don't know and to my and like if if every single if Lewis Riddick if Daniel Jeremiah if Nate Tice if Mark Schofield like some of the best quarterback evaluators that I go to for information are saying Trey Lance is the best fit for this offense why would he be QB2 in this draft for Atlanta that's what I'm saying like or QB four, sorry. Why would he be QB four for right. in this draft? Like he wouldn't. I, I can see why people are like Zach Wilson's a better quarterback, depending on the scheme. With Wilson, Fields, and Lance, it all comes down to what scheme you're running. Because if we were running a quick spread offense, trying to emulate, I don't know what whatever KC does. Um, I'm going to be honest and say Trey Lance probably isn't the fit for us there. That's probably more Justin Fields. Um, who's, who's that, sir? I, I said if we were trying to emulate Casey's offense, oh, I, I'd probably Justin say Fields, Fields would, be, would be the pick. But I agree with that. if we're trying to emulate what Smith did with the Titans, I don't know how you don't look at Trey Lance's tape and say, yeah, that's the guy who should be our quarterback. More so than any of the other top guys, including Lawrence. I just I feel like Lance fits to a T, and then Fields is, I guess in quotes, the consolation prize, who still is an elite quarterback prospect on on his own. The fact there's four elite quarterback prospects, at least by the consensus, isn't unheard of. Yeah. So I don't think picking the fourth best quarterback is a bad thing, when any other year these guys would be at least the second best quarterback in that class. Something that that I'd add in uh, in regards to Fields versus Lance, um, and, and I don't think Mac Jones is even in discussion. I don't think that's a real possibility. Um, I know Arthur Smith in an interview with with Jeff Schultz of the Athletic, he talked about how one of his primary objectives is getting the team to perform better under pressure. Um, and a quote from Smith was that. Clearly it didn't work, maybe for multiple reasons. Maybe something was broken. Maybe there was a lack of confidence. Why is that? I don't know. And a stat that that I saw um, regarding uh, the pressure stats uh, for the draft-eligible quarterbacks is that Fields had one of the highest sack rates in the draft-eligible quarterbacks. He had a 25% sack rate. Um, and for reference, Lawrence had a 15%. Uh, Wilson had a 13.8% and Mac a 12.2%. Um, on my chart right here, it doesn't say what, what, what Trey Lance's is at, but in, that's probably, you know, important considering the discussion, but, um, I think it's important that to note that statistically fields was, was pretty so-so against pressure. Um, and 
I also saw a uh, report by Buckeye Scoop, um, who's the top dog for uh, Ohio State rumors and, and inside. They've hit him a bunch of stuff. They basically said that they've heard that that Fields was a lock at three, and I'm not sure if that's the truth, but from how credible that, that Buckeye Scoop has been in the past, I, I would definitely not take that with a grain of salt because I think that they know what they're talking about. Um, and I've also spoken with some high-ranking staff members uh, at, at the uh, North Dakota State uh, football program, and they said that um, the in quotes when I was in I was texting one of their coaches, I said the GM and the offensive coordinator were there at his pro day. Do you know if they liked him? He said, "Yep, they did." So that kind of adds to the Lewis Riddick report that said that he was with uh, uh, Smith and Fondo and said that they they. He could kind of get a grasp, but they were really big fans of Lance. Um, and so I remember, uh, you know, in speaking with the same coach that he said that dating back into the into September, Falcons, you know, and obviously the front office, you know, were different. But there was guys in the in the uh, Falcons, um, uh, <laughs> Falcons, um, you know, war room that were reaching out to, to NDSU. Um you know, executives regarding Lance. And so I think it's, it's definitely an important uh, thing to consider. Um, uh, you know, Falcons, the Falcons, I think nobody disagrees are an incredible landing spot for Lance. I think fields is definitely a good landing spot schematically under pressure is definitely a question mark for him. But I think the Falcons definitely have interest in Lance. I've spoken with people who think that they have a lot of interest in Lance and that's kind of been, echoed around the league um and so you know they're definitely deciding between pitts fields and and, and lance at the at the fourth pick but i i think it's down to lance as 1a uh fields as 1b and then pitts as 1c um nobody really disagrees with the fact that they clearly have interest in, in lance um and honestly if you ask anybody they'll say that, that the falcons really love lance and so that's my take on the situation um and so I know there's um, a, I know there's some some stuff that that we're talking about in this chat right here. So. <laughs> let me you, you want me to see Kenny? Let me let me let me jump in before. So ahead, as we are recording this pod, um, I just found a Peter King article, and he came out and said, um, so Peter King's one of the more plugged guys in in pretty much the media. He kind of gets a consensus through. He's actually a big Matt Ryan supporter as well. He's I know Matt Ryan's one of his favorite quarterbacks. Um, but Peter King just pumped out this article. Um, I'm just going to let you guys know. It says owner, owner Arthur Blank is fascinated by the quarterbacks top of the draft, thinking the franchise might not be in such an adventurous position to take one for years. But Blank is not going to force the decision, as he always is. That's what I think, I think all of us love about Blank. He really leaves the football side of things to football, like to the people he hired. Um, the the article also says that they think um, – oh, sorry, that Arthur Smith um, also likes the uh, the quarterbacks at the top of the draft but also likes Matt Ryan and that he thinks that Terry Fontenot may want to trade out. So this is really interesting for the aspect that we heard early on that Terry likes the quarterback and Arthur Smith wants to stay um, put with, the, with, with Matt Ryan. So – um, this kind of just hammers in to 
everything that we've we've said. I actually did not know Blank's stance on the all of this. I don't know if you guys have heard anything. Maybe the, Cam did. As as weird as it sounds, the one I care more about is the Rich McKay stance on the matter. Yeah, and, and that's that's fair. I, I think Rich McKay has his little slimy fingers all over um, the roster when he really should not. Slimy fingers. That's a new one, man. Kim, you don't even know what eat crow means. I don't want to hear you and my metaphors anymore. I've never heard that before, bro. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Just, just, Adam, what just, is that? So I'm a little confused. Is that article saying that Fontenot prefers to trade out of the pick and Blank wants a quarterback and Smith wants Matt? Yeah, it says that uh, – well, it actually says Blank's, Blank likes the quarterbacks in the top of the class. Arthur Smith likes the quarterbacks, but he also likes Matt Ryan. And Terry Fontenot apparently wants to trade for a haul. Um, Blank also said that he's not going to put um, his hands on the draft, which is fair. Um, but it's kind of telling for me that he's okay with the quarterbacks in this draft and, and potentially drafting a quarterback. Who's okay with it? Arthur, or Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank or Arthur Smith? No, Arthur Blank. But both. Well, yeah, but yeah, both like quarterbacks. Both, both yeah. Arthur's like the quarterback. So Terry Fontenot apparently wants a haul. It sounds like uh, Smith, from what I can piece together, is kind of leaning Pitts. Blank is leaning. Uh, did I did I mess up my words? Smith is leaning Pitts because he wants. He's okay with the. Yeah, Smith is leaning Pitts because he's okay with the quarterback position. But also thinks he could roll with Matt, and we've we've seen it reported that Smith um, is a is a fan of Pitts, and I think Blank is 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 kind of probably going to be in the realm of Fields just because he's you know he's more of a PSL guy. Than Boys Blank. market, yeah. I thought we just said Smith wanted a quarterback. Hold on, now I'm reading it. No, Smith so Smith likes the quarterbacks as well, but thinks he uh, can roll. But with also Matt. likes Matt Ryan. That's what the article says. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So it sounds like there's a divide, which is which is interesting, and I actually love that there's a there's a divide. Yeah. It brings confidence into my body that whoever the, the pick is is going to be a consensus agreement at the end of the day, which is obviously blank McKay, blank and McKay. You know, regardless of whether you care to agree with with it or not, McKay has 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 put together a really good roster before in Tampa, and so. Blank has obviously seen some of the Falcons' best football. Arthur's obviously been a part of great football in Fontenot as well. So I think, you know, if, if I think even if they draft, you know, Pitts or whoever it is, I think it's definitely going to be a well-knowledged situation. And I think whoever they, you know, come out at the number four, number nine, wherever it is, I think it's going to be a good pick. So that that brings confidence into my body. I like that. Um, so sounds like sounds like you know if I were to make a prediction, Smith is in is in the pitch field. Uh, Fontenot is probably Lance, and then Fields for Blank. Probably um, Fontenot. I think Benjamin Albright said something about uh, Terry Fontenot liking uh, Trey Lance last night in a tweet. So that's what I mean. It's kind of interesting, um, just in the sense that we keep hearing multiple things. So it's kind of just like smoke everywhere i guess but i guess that's what we get for being however far out we are right now yeah yeah it is smokescreen season but i do like regardless of what they're talking about i do really like that um we're covering all our bases or at least the staff the, the guys in charge now they're covering all their bases there's not going to be a whole bunch of groupthink going on 
and they're going to have the difficult conversations they need to have to choose the next Atlanta Falcon. Um, who, whoever we draft on the 29th, we're going to learn a lot about this organization and who's calling the shots right now. Yeah. I, it's interesting. And I, and, and, and like to, I think Cam alluded to, uh, I absolutely love that they're in a disagreement because you don't want group things. So they're going to hash this. Um, they're going to figure out what, what, what's what, right. Um, it's so, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. This is this is good. Uh, this is a good way to go off this uh, this pod tonight. It kind of, we kind of sidetracked there, but that's kind of potentially a little bit of a news because we one thing for sure is that we did not know where Blank stood on the whole matter. Um, now to kind of see that Blank is uh, curious about the quarterbacks and likes the quarterbacks, um, that's kind of that's kind of telling, right, that he's okay with potentially getting the next in line and like i've been kind of alluding to the whole season uh or the whole pre-draft season is this this regime is going to be measured on how they place matt replace matt at some point whether it's now whether it's three years from now they're going to be measured on how they make that transition um to me i'd rather get it over with one year bang there's our guy potentially if not you have two kicks at that can um, because if you draft one in three years and you didn't do good those first three years and you kind of just puttered along and was a subpar team and in, in f- uh, football mediocrity, which is the worst place to be, um, you might not get that second shot at that quarterback, right? Uh, you might only get one shot at replacing him. So um, we'll see. We'll see. This is very interesting. I, I like this article today from Peter King. Um, I actually tweeted it just now, so if somebody wants to check it out and it's uh, and it's full auto, you can check it out. What I think is interesting with with that tweet um, is that I think like last week, Peter King said that he's heard people around the league think that the Falcons are just going to stay tight and pick Kyle Pitts. So yeah. I, I don't know what happened in the last uh, smokescreen season. Yeah, everything's a smokescreen. Six days, but. Apparently, um, it sounds like uh, Terry Fano had a, had to come to Jesus with uh, with the court, cutter the quarterbacks, um, and so definitely smokescreen season. Um, I don't and I don't know how Peter King's track records held up in the in the past with the Falcons, but definitely interesting. Uh, I think that was a good way to kind of offer a conclusion to this pod. Um, so, we have any last thoughts, Hunter, uh, Kenny, Adam? Uh, just jump in, throw it up. I'm I, I'm good. I got nothing else to really say. Uh, <laughs> I think we covered a, covered a lot today. What about Roddy White? Yeah, this is good. The Falcons should trade back. Roddy should not be involved in any roster making decisions. Yeah, Roddy and Twitter right. are not the best combination in the world. So, Kenny, <laughs> yeah. go and uh... we need a playmaking safety. That's what Roddy White wants. That's fine. Where did you get one later? But uh, anyways, Kenny, uh, uh, plug your stuff so we can get out of here. And apparently it looks like we're going to go into a Discord after this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Roddy White's the grumpy old man of Falcons. (laughs) He really is. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, come follow me. Um, Grits Blitz at Twitter. That's Grits with a Z underscore Blitz with a Z. Kenny G. Got some draft stuff dropping soon. Check out my dog. Yeah, heavy boy just dropped today. 
Yeah, I just dropped a big board and player rankings over at NFL Draft Right on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, HThompsonNFL. So, yeah. I think, I think we're good. So, it'll be a interesting week, uh, interesting couple weeks, uh, rather. Uh, I mean, I know Adam's not going to be happy when we draft uh, Mac Jones at four, but it's we'll talk about that. Oh, um, oh God, I'll cry if I take Mac Jones at four. You you won't be talking to me because I'll be a Browns fan. I said me and Adam are going to join <laughs> Browns Twitter. That's the running joke. And as I've, <laughs> as I've tweeted previously, my television will be engulfed in my bathtub, but that's not important. Um, so Hunter, off yeah. of the conclusion before we actually do get exiled from Falcons Twitter. Um, Perfect. <laughs> Everybody, this was another episode of Atlanta on Air. Follow us on Twitter at ATL on Air. Um, and let us know what you think of the episodes. Tweet at us. We enjoy people tweeting at us. We like interactions. Um, we enjoy the fans. We do it for the people. This is a podcast for the people. For the people, baby. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time.